for real stories on how global business gets done. This is Supply Chain Unfiltered, presented by the Institute for Supply Management. Okay, so I have a random question to start things off with. Have you seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I know, right? Where did I come up with that? We're talking about the supply management profession, okay? But there's a reason. So if you haven't seen Uh, seen uh, the movie... Of course I've heard (laughs) of that movie. Best movie ever. (laughs) But if you haven't, you know, highly recommend it, okay? But there's there's a particular line that I want to reference. It really resonates with what's going on today. So it goes something like this. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. So, uh, yes, before I forget, hello. (laughs) I'm getting so passionate about this, I just forget to introduce myself. This is Melanie Stern for the Institute for Supply Management. Yes, another episode of Supply Chain Unfiltered. So with Ferris Bueller's uh, prolific comment um, around life moving very fast, Uh, It kind of speaks to how business environments are right now, meaning that we have so much evolving innovation and technology, and we have so much to keep up with and try to process it and figure out, okay, how do we integrate that into our real life, into our work life, and in a manner that makes sense um, both in function as well as cost, okay, because that's that's pertinent. And... um, I want to infuse some other information here real quick. Uh, In trying to figure out what's the best way basically to spend our money or hold our money or what to do with it, uh, we we came out with, again, as we do each each first week of every month, uh, ISM reports on business. We came out with a manufacturing report uh, this week, and for the seventh consecutive month, we are in contraction. So when you're dealing with that as far as the business environment, uh, whether it's a surprise or not, the money you have and where you're considering allocating your investments becomes even more of a concern. So, you know, that's kind of the da-da-da-da. <laughs> Here we are, folks. <laughs> so uh, with us today to try to dissect through those issues is Polly Mitchell Guthrie, Vice President of Industry Outreach and Thought Leadership for Connexus. Hi, Polly. Hi, Melanie. I'm glad to be here. And I love any interview that starts off with a reference to Ferris Bueller. All right. So I, I got to ask, how many times have you seen it? Be truthful. You know, I can't count, but multiple times. And, I, and that says a lot because I'm actually not one of these people who typically likes to watch a movie over again. But it, that's exactly. like an outer classic. But it just, it, there were so many points about it that, that just spoke truth, right? And yeah, the movie's, you know, pretty old, but still pertinent. And, and especially, you know, today is that th- things are moving so fast. And um, we don't tend to, I'll say... Um, support any notion of taking a pause on things because there's still that FOMO even in business is that you want to jump on things when they're they're bright shiny and new and um, be part of the trend upward you don't want to be coming into the party late but uh, we need to be cautious or maybe we don't Uh, what what do you think I mean if you've got a budget and you're looking at it and the news on your business and uh, 
issues still between supply and demand are not moving as quickly as you would like them to. That's not moving quickly. But mm-hmm. um, where we have to spend money or thinking about spending money um, into innovation, into technologies to help bolster our business, do we want to jump into that while everything else is kind of still, uh, I'll say, stuck? You know, my, when you say this, what it makes me think about is uh, in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he has a day off, and he, for those who haven't seen it, and all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy things happen to him. And right. what I, my memory is, is that he kind of rolls with it. He's fluid with these things that happen, and when disasters happen, like cars crashing into the water that he's borrowed, and et cetera, he just rolls with it and is fluid and, and has fun. And so what I, what I, the, the parallel there is that anybody who says they know what's going to happen in supply chain is just flat out wrong. So <laughs> what we can't know is what's going to happen. What we can know is there's going to be uncertainty. We just have to figure out how can we be fluid and how can we go with it. So in the real world and not in the movies, I think what that means is that you have to have a modern, resilient supply chain that can do that. And what we know is that what what the the lessons of the last few years have taught us is that we weren't prepared, most of us. uh, Some were, a few were, but most of us were not prepared uh, for for disruption that, that is Un- unprecedented. And, and as you say, supply slowed down in some cases, de- depending on who, what kind of business you're in. Some, mm-hmm. ca- some cases, demand slowed down. In other cases, demand went through the roof. And so in that kind of volatile environment, what you really need is, is you know, a modern, a modern system. And I'd say the attributes of a modern system are you need agility, transparency, intelligence, and collaboration all of which are part of concurrent planning. And and that's what helps you ride through this. And so transparency, you need to know what's happening and you need to have not just visibility, but really be able to see the full impact across your supply chain. Then you need to be able to move quickly and simulate to figure out what to do. And then you need to have better decision quality. So you need intelligence to help you do that better. And then you need collaboration so everyone can synchronize across the those actions to have the best solution. So I can dig into any of that uh, more deeply, but I wanted to at least give you my my flyby thinking of of how we can be like Ferris Bueller. Okay, all right. Um, I guess maybe the the mantra of today is be like Ferris. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, okay, so so as we're looking at, um, I'll say not so savory news. Uh, but we want to be positive and we want to be optimistic and think, okay, we're going to get through this, whatever this is. And we're going to try to put a timestamp on how long this is going to be in existence. And with that, then you, you don't want to spend if you don't have to, um, or is that kind of an old school thinking? Is it better to invest in technology now while things, you know, aren't, moving along um, is so that you are kind of ahead of things so that you're ready once things rebound the way you want them to? Well, it's a good question. It's a hard question. And I think there's really two levels to that. There's there's the day-to-day and then there's the longer term. And, and what that also makes me think about is how in supply chain, we talk about the strategic, tactical, and operational levels of supply chain, which are in essence the the long-term, the mid-term, and, and the short-term planning. So when I think about something like short-term, I think about a company like Ipsen. So mm-hmm. they make drugs for rare diseases. And what you might expect, which is what anybody would, is when you make drugs for rare diseases, you're not going to have demand spikes because that's a pretty steady business. 
Yeah. Uh, but what happened during the pandemic is that their their uh, physicians around the world were concerned that their patients wouldn't have access to medicine. So they started prescribing extra doses and suddenly Ipsen had up to 70% demand spikes in some of their markets. And think about that for a second, mm-hmm. up to 70% demand spikes when you normally have very steady demand, just like toilet paper, we all know is normally very steady demand. So you asked about how do you choose to spend? Well, what happens is that Normally, companies think, well, I'm just going to be prepared and buffer with inventory. But buffering with inventory actually costs you money because you're you're holding on to more inventory. And, and let's not forget, in this era of being extra concerned about sustainability, it also costs you in terms of sustainability because stuff you make that you can't sell costs mm-hmm. you money and you may have to destroy it. And it costs you energy to make it and energy to destroy it. So what, what Ipsum was able to do without buffering with excess inventory is be prepared by looking across all their markets, they had the transparency I'm talking about, they could see, okay, in this market, demand has gone up, this factory is down, this border is closed, I'm going to, but in this other market over here, demand is down, and so we've got extra inventory, I can just move inventory from country A to country B to be ready for that. And they were able to pinpoint what was happening, what what the concerns were, factory closure here, border closure there, transportation blockages, et cetera, and just move around their inventory. And they had zero stockouts. And, and, you know, I made a comparison to toilet paper earlier, but running out of toilet paper creates potty jokes. Running out Mm -hmm. of drugs for rare diseases is not a laughing matter at all. Exactly. And so I like this because this this story illustrates that if you're using modern planning, you don't have to buffer with excess inventory at that operational level. Day to day, you you can be prepared by being ready for when that happens. And in the moment, then you're not spending extra on expedites because you're just moving things around. So that's an example of they had prepared in advance. They had been planning to have upgrade their systems to be more modern using concurrent planning so they could be prepared for just moments like this. And then when it happened, they were ready. And and would you attribute their readiness to uh, different departments working together toward multiple common goals or perhaps the technology that they had invested in to help them expedite that process? It's a great question. And, you know, I'm a big fan of both and and not either or. So I'm going to say both. Um, Certainly technology can enable enable companies and organizations to do things differently. And we, uh, one thing I'll point to is that an organization called Boom, the Global Community for Women in Supply Chain, did a survey last year of supply chain professionals and asked them what they need to thrive and survive in this modern challenging era of supply chain where we have super gnarly problems. Mm -hmm. And what, what the, the number one thing their respondents said is if they could maybe wave a wand and have one thing change to boost their job performance, they said they wanted modern integrated systems because they were tired when they work in legacy systems that are siloed and disparate. It just takes all kinds of extra work to get things done. So if you have a modern system, then that gives you multiple things. It gives you that ability to collaborate that you referenced so people can see the same thing at the same time and not having to be tossing spreadsheets over the fence. You can act more quickly so you have faster time to decision, which really matters. You have better intelligence. You have better transparency. And so it's a combination of you have to invest in people and change management so that people are prepared to use those modern systems you've invested in. Mm-hmm. But you also have to invest in the modern system itself. So I'd say it's the combination of people, process, and technology that can enable the kind of better decisions that 
Ipsen was able to achieve. No stockouts in spite of 70% demand spikes. So, so as we're kind of going through a, lo- a lot of changes, whether, you know, we're all dealing with the geopolitical stuff, which we, you know, we don't have control over and we can only uh, refer to uh, media sources and, and um, leadership to keep us informed on where things are and where they project them to go. Um, but if, how do you, how do you make decisions on all the potential what ifs when usually what happens is the disruptions that really effective of, uh, they're the ones that we didn't see coming or can't even imagine. Right. Um, you know, I'm a big fan in this case of uh, t- asking those what if questions, but this is an example of where you need people who have the skills and the knowledge and the domain expertise to ask the right questions, because asking the right questions is critical and something that uh, that technology can't do for us. But then you need the you need a system that can enable you to actually get the information you need to answer those questions. And so if you can run rapid simulations and ask uh, where you can create scenarios, what you can do is ask the right questions in the moment, but have the questions you've also asked in advance. So another one of our customers that we work with is is Jable. They're a contract manufacturer, and they have literally, they, they used to have 3,000 scenarios, and, I, and you heard that number right, 3,000 mm, wow. scenarios that they had essentially as a library. So they were thinking of all kinds of things that could happen across multiple tiers of their uh, their business that they would say, okay, if this happened, what would we do? If that happened, what would we do? If it's in this time frame, what would we do? If it's in that time frame, what would we do? So they had a library of 3,000 of these ready to be able to you know, pull the right one in the right moment. And then COVID happened. And so what they found is, you know, you, you talked about there's the things you can know in advance and the things you, the questions you can't even have thought of to have asked. So nobody, of course, would have thought of just to have asked the scenario, well, what would we do if there's a pandemic? Nobody thought about that. But what they could do on the fly is ask new questions. And so they actually went from asking from having 3,000 scenarios to 5,000 scenarios. Ooh in very short order because they, they just had to say, okay, new things have happened. What are we going to do now? And what those scenarios allow you to do is to say, okay, what if demand tanks? What are we going to do? What if demand goes to the roof? What are we going to do? And I sometimes think about automotive when I'm talking to students, I often illustrate by saying at the beginning of the pandemic, automotive demand went through the basement. Nobody was buying cars when they were working from home. But then you know, they, they had the chip shortages, which we all know about all too, all too well. And so you talked about supply slowing down, but then demand went through the roof when people, when things started opening up again and people suddenly had all that pent up demand for cars. So this is all going all over the place and you need scenarios to be able to ask those questions. But what you really need is when you're asking those scenarios, you need to not be have to run a scenario. You know, the point of this is to be iterative and ask quick questions. And so if you run a scenario and you have to wait uh, hours or even minutes for to get an answer, it's not as useful. You need to be able to ask those questions on the fly and instantly get a response. And that's how you can make agile planning. So I'd like to throw something your way that is a little different than the usual line of questioning we engage in. Um, and it drills down more into the, um, I'll say, human element of working within the supply chain and uh, just almost more about um the emotional aspect of it. So I have found in my dealings, you know, um, you know, be it um, 
social events, uh, the ISM conference, meeting people from all over the world involved in the profession, uh, one of the many commonalities is that there's a real um, zealousness about uh, being solutions oriented and wanting to fix you know, whatever is not where it should be or needs to be, right? I mean, we're, people are hardwired to um, come up with solutions, right? And so mm -hmm. there's a frustration that can build very quickly when everything they're pulling from isn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just the nature of how it is, right? So how would you, uh, how would you recommend or how would you advise someone that's really struggling with that aspect of the job, whatever their job is within the profession? How, how would you kind of talk them through that? Good question. Obviously, I don't have a magic answer, but I'll tell you I, what, what comes to mind is I referred to the gnarly problems we had in supply chain <laughs> earlier, and I totally stole that line from somebody, <laughs> Deborah Dole, who's uh, the head of supply chain sustainability for GenPak. And uh, she, I heard her use this line on a podcast earlier. And the, the example she was giving is she was saying, you know, supply chain people, we love gnarly problems because that's all we deal with. And she was talking about how sustainability is a gnarly problem because oh. it's really complex, lots yep. of trade-offs, but that we need to be able to, you know, if we throw those problems to supply chain people, we're going to figure it out. And what I'd say is that what I've seen time and time again is, is amazing examples of you give us those gnarly problems and we can solve them. And what I'd say to the person who's struggling is don't go it alone. Hmm. Collaboration, I think, is key. And, you know, we all have our good days and our bad days. We can riff off each other. If, if you have, you know, maybe you even just can describe the problem adequately. And, and that's actually harder, harder to do than it sounds. Describing a problem well is, hmm. is, is half the battle. But maybe you could just describe the problem adequately and a colleague has a has an answer of how to or an idea of how to solve it. And then you you can come in and give another answer and they'll inspire you and get your juices going. So I would say collaboration would be my my first bet to say we have these gnarly problems. If you're really snarl up in the gnarliness, <laughs> uh, phone a friend, call somebody, get somebody to help you and say, let's figure out how we can tackle it together. All right. So now I'm going to give a, 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 a an analogy here. Let's say. Uh, Let's say uh, whatever business um, you're in, okay, and, and let's say your, your car or your truck, that represents your business. So you step inside, you buckle up, right? <laughs> and you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to navigate through the road ahead of me. I want to be competitive while I'm on the road. You know, I want to own the road as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Am I putting the brakes on? Oh, I put in the gas on and what, what technologies over the next five years is going to help me keep my foot on the gas? Well, <clears throat> I like your metaphor because where I'm going to take that is that as we all know, when you drive, you can't do one or the other. You have to do both. Yep. You have to be able to, you know, turn right, step on the gas, something comes, you know, a, a bird runs across the road, you, you step on the brakes, somebody's coming up behind you and honking at you, you have to step on the gas again, you'd have to know how much gas to put on. So how do we how do we navigate this? It, because you, you can't know on a given route, 
exactly what's going to happen. That's never how reality is when you're out there driving. So I'd say in terms of investing in technology over the, uh, the next five years, again, I'd refer back to this, this boom study that said that um, the number one thing supply chain professionals said they wanted was better integrated technology. So let's give all those planners out there wrestling with those gnarly problems, <laughs> let's give them one place to work together to see the same information at the same time, not have to be tossing spreadsheets over uh, over the fence, waiting for a spreadsheet to come from somebody who's on vacation, waiting to see. Then you have to follow up with them and find out, well, is this spreadsheet the right version because somebody else made an update since then? That's really inefficient and a waste of time and it, and it frustrates people. So let's give them one modern system, but then let's figure out how we can collaborate on that on that system all at the same time and see the same information. That's one thing I would say. Let, let's, let's get out of legacy systems. Let's get into modern systems. And I'd argue that the best modern system is, is integrated planning through concurrent planning. Then when we look about some of the areas where you can invest, you know, the top thing that's on everybody's mind right now and all the data shows it is, is AI. Statista reports that 11% of companies in 2022 said that AI was critical to their supply chains, but they expect 38% of them expect to be there by 2025. The MHI annual industry report said when they, when they polled their members on what technologies do you feel like are going to have the biggest impact? Because it's not just where do we want to spend, where can we have an impact? AI was the top of the list, followed by uh, the Internet of Things, uh, technologies, autonomous vehicles, sensors, and inventory and network optimization. But what I'd, what I'd really say is that what you want to do is make sure you invest not just in technology, but in people and process. Because mm-hmm. Uh, there was a study, interesting study from MIT and the Boston Consulting Group on how to succeed with AI. So if that's the top one on everybody's list, pay attention because this <laughs> is what they said is the way to succeed because they found that uh, 90% of companies fail to, to, to reap significant value from their AI investments. And they said the number one way to succeed was to foster organizational learning. And so what this really means is how do you invest in those people and help them learn together? You know, the same boom survey, they asked the people, planners, you know, supply chain leaders, managers, what do you want to learn? And what uh, what what people said they wanted to learn, which I think is interesting to get sort of that that ground up view of what do what do people on the ground want to do? They said they wanted to learn more about sustainability, number one. They wanted to learn about advanced analytics and AI. They wanted to learn about digital transformation and they wanted to learn about risk and resilience. So I'd say invest in your people, figure out how to help them navigate change. And then people are still the most valuable tool in supply chains. Invest in your people, help them develop and grow. And then that technology, you know, that's where you'll get the benefits. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, it's, and as you know, we've had conversations in the past and AI always, always comes up. And it's... I think it's also kind of, I, I think the current environment, you know, between, you know, again, Ferris Bueller, moving, tha- moving fast, right? Everything's moving fast and wanting to be part of that. And we don't want to miss the boat. But at the same time, we have these um, economic or financial constraints that are weighing heavy. And so there's this push-pull going on. Mm-hmm. But maybe um, with that, we need to have kind of pivot on how we traditionally look at ROI. And usually, you know, we see the the dollar immediately comes with it. 
But as you mentioned, you know, investing in people and processes might be a better way of looking at our ROI. You know, how do we enhance our carbon, um, you know, footprint and uh, or um, really kind of, uh, I'll say, um, upscale the way we deal with social responsibility and, you know, get put a heavier hand in that and take a stand on that and how um, how it, we represent in our business that way. Um, and then also, you know, yes, upskilling our people. Um, and then there's the, the other, you know, ugly word, ugly phrase of revisiting headcount. You know companies are doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and is, is that going to be a necessary thing with AI coming on board? Because I hear, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies are really looking at um, integrating AI, but then at the, um, you know, at the, I'll say at the peril of some, some jobs. And is that really a concern or is that just the noise going on out there because people don't truly understand how AI is going to impact their business or not? You know, there's all kinds of opinions on this. I'll tell you my opinion is that certainly there are going to be some job job losses and job restructuring, and I don't want to minimize that, that concern. I also think it's overstated. I think, in fact, what's going to happen is that the history of technology has shown over literally hundreds of years that it, it leads to new innovation and what the economists want to focus on in terms of productivity, which really creates new jobs. The classic illustration I love is, is the bank tellers. Everybody thought that ATMs were going to mm. get rid of bank tellers. And in fact, more bank tellers got hired because what they learned is that when ATMs could do the kinds of jobs that, AT that tellers have been doing, they suddenly could have tellers doing more productive things, upselling, cross-selling. And so they actually hired more tellers and opened more branches. And so I think what's going to happen in supply chain is what we're going to find is we can automate those obvious things that planners spend too much time doing, but they're really tedious and not the best use of their time. And so we can automate those things and those super gnarly problems that we have in supply chain. That's where the planner is going to end up spending their time on because the things that we can't automate that are not obvious that we really need them to figure out, we need them to phone that friend and say, oh my gosh, what do I do about this? That's where we're going to continue to find that we can have even more value from humans when they can focus on those really complex situations that we just can't put an algorithm on. And so I think that that we're going to increase the productivity of all our people and have be able to shift work to them that just simply wasn't getting done or wasn't getting done well. I like that. I like that. Uh, I, and if nothing else, I mean, we all have to keep the conversation going because we learn from each other. And um, mm -hmm. I could come into a conversation and have my thoughts and opinions on something. And then you add to the conversation or another coworker adds to the conversation. And all of a sudden, um, we pivot in the way we think. And then new opportunities and new ideas come from that. And that's how we all move forward together. Absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, I know you have on cue to go watch Ferris Bueller again. <laughs> of course, of course. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a good movie to, to uh, mention today. You know, it's kind of a Friday feel-good movie. Uh, but uh, I look forward to learning more from you and sharing the information with uh, ISM members and uh, members yet to be. Uh, and um, we'll stay tuned uh, to Canaxis and uh, find out about all the exciting things going on in your world. 
So thanks for uh, joining us today, Polly, Polly Mitchell Guthrie of Canaxis. And to uh, have another listen of this episode or any of our podcast episodes, uh, simply go to ismworld.org into the news and publications drop down. That's where you find us there, as well as go right over to the studio, uh, starworldwidenetworks.com. You'll find supply chain unfiltered there as well. Uh, whatever you plan on doing uh, for the rest of your day, make it a good one. I'm Melanie Stern for the Institute for Supply Chain Unfiltered.